it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who has never subpoenaed a former president of the United States. Check it out. The January 6th committee voting to bring in the Trump man. After the midterm elections. This is politics as usual. But check it out. The 45th president of the United States, he says he wants to go. You're about to hear the greatest speech you've ever heard. I don't doubt it would be, and we will discuss it with Texas Representative Kevin Brady. Raymond Arroyo is here. One half of uh, the Laura Ingram cable news dynasty. He will be stopping by to discuss his new book. And young Lincoln Fela is in the house. He will join us to preview the big matchup. Between Clark and Mineola, uh, 888-788-9910. If you have any inside information on high school football, if you want to talk politics, doesn't matter. All are welcome. It is an all-skate. Do you remember going to roller rinks as a little kid? They'd do just the boys, just the girls, then like an all-skate at the end. There's always an all-skate on this show. We don't have time to do individual genders. There's like 573 of them. Could you imagine we sat there with the kids? Just the boys, just the girls, just the non-binary cisgender. This is exhausting. It really is. So we start with an all-skate every day. Okay, it's not just the Republicans. It's not just the Democrats. It's everybody who knows how to talk politics without being a... That is all. Happy Friday. I'm off to Iowa after this. It is your last chance. If you're anywhere near Ottumwa, Iowa, I'm sorry. Uh, but you, no, I'm kidding. It's a great town. And you can, if you really don't like it, you can make it up for yourself by coming to see me tomorrow night at the Bridgeview Center. Uh, it is a wild stand-up comedy show. Tickets still available at Ticketmaster.com. I am told there's like 40 seats left. Uh, so if you want a piece of that action, Ticketmaster.com, come hang out with your radio buddy. And if you missed that, you can see me October the 28th and 29th. I will be at the Spokane Comedy Club in Spokane, Washington. But we begin today here in New York where I can tell you the January 6th committee has always been a scam. He knows what he's talking about. Now, we know that. I'm not breaking any ground here. And again, I want to issue a qualifier, okay, in that I am not on board with what happened at the Capitol that day. And nor do I want to dismiss the significance of it. It was bad. You know, when they tell you things like, we've never seen violence like that in Washington before. Okay, that's a lie. Okay, they had attacked the White House in the summer of 2020 so aggressively that they had to erect a second barrier around the White House. We had 50 Secret Service agents hit with bricks and rocks needing medical treatment. If you remember, at one point, Trump was ushered into a bunker beneath the White House, at which point the Democrats began derisively referring to him as Bunker Boy. But of course, okay, I was a guy who was condemning political violence before it became trendy. So I said it was bad in the summer of 2020. I, of course, said it was really bad when it happened on January the 6th, where the fork in the road occurred, which is where the fork in the road always occurs with Democrats, is consensus. Consensus is of no use or interest to any of them. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. What I mean by that is just the same as George Floyd. 
When the George Floyd video surfaced, we were all like, oh, God, this is horrific. You can't do this. The cops should die in prison. Okay, we all felt that way. But it was an election summer, and that wasn't enough for the Democrats. So rather than taking the consensus and letting the system run its course, they said, what? Well, it wasn't Derek Chauvin. It was all of America who knelt on his neck. We're systemically racist. This is proof that all the cops are racist. And anybody who supports him is a racist. Burn it all down. And everybody went to the Nike store and got free sneakers and burnt down pizza places. They torched a Little Caesars, which was, I do believe, the first time in history a Little Caesars was fully cooked. But stick with me. Okay, that riot was somehow justified in their eyes. But to a lot of objective observers who watched those 11 Democratic cities catch fire, we felt like we were witnessing a full on societal collapse. It was so heinous that it stuck with us. So when the Capitol occurred, there was a real fork in the road. The people who had watched political violence already did recognize it was bad, but they didn't recognize or agree to the fact that it was unprecedented. They didn't agree to what the Democrats were telling us, which is that this was a coup attempt to overthrow the government. Folks, you don't overthrow the government with a bunch of doughy, middle-aged white people led by one guy in a Chewbacca bikini. Okay, it doesn't work that way. Was it bad? Yes. Okay, am I okay with it? No. But the Democrats have tried to repurpose it as this racist attempt to overthrow our government. Because it's a politically viable strategy when you cater to a constituency that runs on emotion. Their emotions are their facts. Their emotions are their compass, which is why they didn't have the self-awareness to know most people weren't going to buy this committee's legitimacy without any actual Republicans on it. I'm not talking about Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, two people who knew they were finished as Republicans before they even joined the committee. Okay, a Republican on the January 6th committee, it's like a Republican that works for CNN. They're no different than a chicken that works on the board of advisors at KFC. They're not exactly operating with their fellow chicken's best interest in mind. Okay, Liz Cheney is in the Liz Cheney business. Adam Kinzinger is in the Adam Kinzinger business. If you've been keeping score at home, business isn't exactly booming. (laughs) But the point is people guided by emotion, okay, went ahead with this show trial where for the first time in the 246 year history of our country, we have a committee, a special committee. That does not allow the minority party, in this case the Republicans, to appoint any panelists. So what we have is a prosecution targeting Donald Trump whose actions were no good that day. They were bad. I condemn them outright. Okay, that being said, you can't have a legitimate trial with a prosecution and no defense. That's true. That is true. And that's where they lose rational people. Okay, let me give you this clip. Okay, because when you're guided by emotion, as they are, you say things like Nancy Pelosi said. Here is a clip they surfaced yesterday during the trial of Nancy Pelosi getting filmed by her daughter talking about punching Trump. Listen to this. It's clip six. They're marching up. You can see them marching up. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. And that's what this is all about. Secret Service said... They have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. I would come down and punch him out. Oh, I would pay to see that. I'm waiting for this. 
for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail and I'm going to be happy. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail and then I'm going to be happy. Okay, now that's a clip from January 6th. But to be clear, she's had that level of emotion towards Trump for the entire presidency. Again, I cannot overstate this enough. The idea that establishment politicians woke up one day in Washington and an outsider was now their president was emotionally unbearable to them. They lost their minds. It was actually Caddyshack with Rodney Dangerfield. But instead of a country club, we had the White House. And the Rodney Dangerfield character was now walking around the White House in charge of all of these career sellout politicians who outsourced our jobs, who sold us out to China and got rich doing it. They all make one hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year, but somehow thirty million dollars in the bank. And all of these jackasses who were getting fat off of that gravy train suddenly had somebody to answer to that wasn't one of them. And I got to be honest, the collective acknowledgement of that was... Because Rodney Dangerfield was now in the White House, just walking around, just trashing people. There's a slob. There's a real slob. You know what I mean? This guy will say anything. Just smoking people. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And it was great. Okay, a lot of people loved watching these politicians have someone read them their truth. The politicians themselves didn't love it. It drove them crazy. And for that reason, operating from a state of emotion, when you're emotional, it denies you the self-awareness that would otherwise tell you you sound like a lunatic. Everybody's gotten into a fight with a significant other. And, you know, three hours later, you got to apologize, like, you know, you apologize because you realize in the moment you said things you didn't mean. Hey, I didn't really mean to call you a drunk pirate hooker, Jenny. What the hell did you just say? You know, you get over it. You make it up. It's fine. You know, but the point is. When you are operating in a perpetual state of emotion like the Democrats are with January 6th, with the Russia hoax, with every impeachment, it's denying them the self-awareness that should otherwise tell them they've become that friend. Everybody has a friend who complains so much about a crazy coworker. Oh, yeah, Stephanie at work. She's nuts. She's crazy. Stephanie, I tell you what Stephanie did next day. You know, Stephanie did. Oh, Stephanie, Christmas is coming. Stephanie. And eventually you realize that your friend is actually the crazy coworker. That's the Democrats. For all the screaming and yelling and hooting and hollering about Trump, what America has learned based on their refusal to stop persecuting this guy, that they themselves have become the crazy ones. Is the Capitol okay? No. Okay. We condemn that violence outright. Shouldn't have happened. Not a good thing. But everybody at this point has moved on but them, you dig. Everybody's moved on but them. Inflation's at a 40-year high. People are now having to not only postpone retirement but come out of retirement. We have a baby formula shortage. Our border's wide open. The leading killer of American adults is fentanyl. Nobody can afford gas. You're not really looking around for somebody who can pick a straw man fight against the last president. That's not what you're looking for. Okay, but when you realize... How far Democrats are willing to go to ruin Donald Trump, whether you're talking about this ridiculous FBI raid or Letitia James here in New York, who now wants him to do life in prison for like jaywalking. It's bananas. 
Okay, but you realize they're in this position because it's emotional for them. It is personal for them. And again, I'm not condoning Trump's actions. I'm just telling you they've done more damage to the country than Trump could do in 10 lifetimes. When you talk about destroying faith in our institutions, nobody believes a word the FBI says anymore because the FBI has been caught trying to screw Trump five different times. Okay, whether it was when they were leaking their own classified information to trigger a special counsel called the Mueller probe or when it was the revolutions from the Durham probe last week that they were flat out paying or offering a million dollars to pay their own informant to corroborate the Steele dossier that they themselves knew was fake. Hey, here's a million bucks. Can you take it and spend it on some people that will play along and corroborate this stuff, put their name on it? No? Okay, we tried. Okay, nothing has been beneath them when it comes to stopping Donald Trump. We have learned that over the course of the last five years, which is why a lot of people don't buy the legitimacy of the last election. Yes, there was a lot of chicanery, but the real reason people can't settle in is not because Trump's telling them it's stolen. It's because the Democrats have told them over and over and over again they will stop it nothing to stop this man. Okay, and it's very hard for most rational people, not politicos, rational observers of politics to believe that Barack Obama, okay, of all people, got 15 million fewer votes than Joe Biden. Don't be thick, all right? Nobody believes that. No one believes Biden got 15 million more votes than Obama. Nobody believes Biden got that many more votes than Trump. Nobody believes that. With a straight face. And when you tack on this perpetual prosecution or persecution of Donald Trump, you realize that this is really doing some damage to the country and not in the way the Democrats had hoped. Because the problem is attacking a former president, it can have political value, but not when everyone knows the current one sucks. And that's why we're in the position we are with the January 6th committee getting no ratings. And now they're bringing out Trump as like a sweeps week gambit. Oh, we'll bring in Trump. People will pay attention yet then. And they sure will. But not in the way they want them to, because it's just another chance for Trump to get back up on the hill and tell the world the truth about who's running the government. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Donald Trump's presidency is over, but for millions of Americans who devoted their entire lives to bashing him, the battle is just getting started. My car won't start, friggin' Trump. The Ex-President Hotline helps you find a way to move on with your life. Ex-President Hotline. He's destroying this country and he deserves to be in jail. He's not in office anymore, ma'am. Take a deep breath. Don't mansplain to me. Hating a president is a good way to avoid your own problems. Unfortunately, presidents go away, but your problems don't. Where's the tow truck? Probably stuck in traffic because of Trump. The Ex-President Hotline. Giving millions of Americans an outlet they can vote for. Thank you for holding. I understand you're calling because you're still upset about Barack Obama. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 888-788-9910 if you want to jump in. Pam batting leadoff on a Friday. She's down in Florida. Yo, Pam. 
Hey, girlfriend, what's going on? Yo. I came down here to vote for my man, DeSantis. Did you really? That's amazing. Yes. So you're, you're registered in Florida? And what do you Registered in Florida. We it... live in, in uh, Mawa, New Jersey, but we spend a lot of time down here, too. Well, you realize um, if, if, you, that... if you were a Democrat, you could vote in, like, three different states. You didn't have to do all this traveling. What, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with that? I'll tell you what, Jimmy. I like your word of the day, chicanery. I can't believe you said that. (laughs) How do you pronounce it again, chicanery? Chicanery. (laughs) Chicanery. That's going to be my word of the day. It's Pee Wee's Playhouse. If I say the right word, you get excited. Yay. I wanted to congratulate you on all your appearances. Saw you on um, uh, Bill and Dana's show. I see you on Gottfeld's all the time. Congratulate you on all your sold-out shows. If I'm ever in that area where you are, I'll definitely be there. And Natalie also says hi. Natalie. I thought I had an order of protection against her by now. So does Natalie just go everywhere? She just go everywhere you go now. Do you just require a chaperone? Is that is that what I (laughs) No, but we're like the only ones that were in our office that were Republican, unapologetically Republican. I know. Well, that's with that. Well, you're safe in Florida. You're you're allowed to be Republican. You're allowed to like the country. It's a whole nother world. Um, it's cool. Okay, I no, like that. Yeah, yeah, no, live it up. Um, well, good luck voting for DeSantis. Check in soon, girlfriend. Uh, we'll, we'll do, girl. I love you. Love your love show, you Jimmy. Just adore it. Oh, you're the best. I'll see you soon. Uh, Dennis is listening in WVMT in Vermont. We'll be hard-pressed to top that level of affection. Yo, Dennis. Jimmy, let's see if I can be worthy of uh, your taking my call. <laughs> my comment starts, starts with two anecdotes. I went for a burger at a, a place I hadn't patronized since about December of 2020, for a burger and a spoonful of coleslaw, some some fries and a glass of milk, I paid $20. What? Two years ago, it cost me $8. Was the person serving it to you topless by any chance? <laughs> you know, you would, you would hope so. It but No, none of that. Um, but, uh, you know, and I prepaid my oil bill. I got 500 gallons of oil where I usually use 2,000 in mm-hmm. a winter season. Um, and they told me that I had paid last year um, 7000 and some change, Ooh. and uh, that if I were going to get the same amount of oil delivered uh, this winter, it, I would have to pay $11,000. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's insane, man. Uh, remember, re- remember when they told us that $15 an hour mm-hmm. was a livable wage? Yeah. We don't hear the term livable wage anymore, do we? No, no, you don't even hear it anymore. No, it's listen. They've they've it's like really dollars an hour, I think. Yes, I, that's what I mean. Like if you were trying to do this to the country on purpose, it would be hard to pull off what they've managed to pull off. It's like where you got to give Biden credit. Uh, he's he's accomplished a lot. None of it's good, but don't say he didn't get anything done. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. As you know, I'm on the road to Iowa tonight. We'll be at the Bridgeview Center in Ottumwa, Iowa. Then I've got to go up to Spokane, Washington, the 28th, 29th. Following week, I'm in Vegas at the Red Rocks Resort. And then that following week, I'm heading down to East Texas, where Jim is right now. He's in Kilgore, Texas. Yo, Jim. Hello. I would like to uh, have a statement about the COLA, which is the cost of living adjustment for Social Security people. Please do. Uh, 
they they I'm gonna round it off. Eight eight percent. If you give a person uh drawing a thousand dollars a month an eight percent increase, that's eighty dollars a month for cost of living. Mm-hmm. But if a person is drawing three thousand dollars a month social security, they get two hundred and forty dollars a month increase. And when you're called in that cost of living raise, which everybody should pay the same for milk and things, mm-hmm. then that is not fair to the people on the lower end. No, not at all. And, you know, they're bragging in the White House. Ron Clay, yes. the, Ron yes. Clay the chief of staff, is like, look, uh, under our administration, people are getting more in Social Security. It's because inflation triggered the increase. So I don't think well, they I should thought- be bragging. No, because I thought that's like we burned your house down, but we're going to give you a brand new fire extinguisher free. (laughs) It's so true. And I don't think, uh, Jim, that they hear themselves like they, you know, like Biden yesterday. He's out, uh, you know, on the road. And he's telling people, well, inflation the last two months has really only been about 2%, which is a lie. It's about 8.2%. But the fact remains, there's no consoling people if things are bad. Like when they say, well, gas is down a dollar in the last six months, but it's up a dollar 30 since he took office. So, you know, I guess the phrase they use is lipstick on a pig. Uh, we're going through a lot of makeup in this administration. Yes. It is very hard to understand how millions of people go for that. Yeah. Well, you know what happens, Jim? A lot of people are in a position where they vote for the party more than they vote for the country. And they're able to do that because they're not as, you know, they're not as financially strapped as a lot of a lot of us are. You know, so to them, they do think this is a good presidency. But if you were to compare Biden to Trump, just Biden to Trump. okay, we didn't have the inflation under Trump. We didn't have the border crisis under Trump. We didn't have the fuel crisis under Trump. So for that alone or the crime numbers that we do now. So for that alone, the quality of life in this country is exponentially worse under Biden than it was under Trump. But to a lot of people. They think you're crazy if you tell them that. They actually think you're nuts because they're not affected by any of the issues I just mentioned. That's what it is. Right. Um, and uh, Let me ask you this. I'm coming down to East Texas the week of November 10th. We're going to be in Tyler the 10th. We're going to be in Longview the 11th. What are the odds you and me are going to have a beer? Uh, very good on the 11th in Longview. Oh, now you're talking, Jimbo. Well, I will be there. You might even see Jenny and Lincoln fail it as well. We're working that out right now with Lincoln's parole officer. So who knows? <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll probably be out of jail by then, too. <laughs> was was I your one phone call? I'm flattered if I was. Uh, was I? What did you mean by I that? I said when question? you went to jail, you know how they give you one phone call when you go to jail? Did you use it to call Fox across America? No, okay. all you're going to get to busy. I called 20, 27 times to get you to this morning. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> right, good. Yeah, use your quarter. There's somebody else. Well, yeah, listen, somebody I'm, else. I'm coming to East Texas, and we're doing this, my man. So thanks for the call today, and I look forward to catching up with you in person. Thank you very much. You too. There goes Jim in Kilgore, Texas, making brilliant points. Okay, when you get out there and you brag to people that your Social Security's going up, but it was triggered by your own ineptitude on inflation. This is not the victory lap you think it is, you know? That was embarrassing. It really was. Ron Klain tweeted, Oh, under Joe Biden, senior citizens are getting a Social Security imp- increase. Shut up, fool. You idiot.
Okay, you're getting the Social Security increase because you're crushing them on the economy. Okay, it's like every time Biden gets out there and he's like, well, oh, look at the wages are up 5%. Woo! But inflation's up 8.5. Biden sucks. I mean, moral of the story, if your wages are up 5%, but the inflation is up 8.5, you didn't get a raise. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. You didn't. You lost more money. Okay, that month, you lost more money. You spent more money. It's costing the average family an additional $12,000 a year because of the inflation we're dealing with right now. And if you're somebody who's really struggling to get by or even, you know, thankfully getting by, but, you know, just barely, whatever that case may be, the point is every one of us notice this. Every one of us notices when we're paying more. Everyone notices when we're saving less. Every one of us notices when we're not saving anything at all. Okay, we notice this. But when the Democrats get out there and talk to you like you're just taking their word for it, it really speaks to them being, I mean, spectacularly out of touch with regular people. Telling somebody that their oh, wages are up, uh, it's not a recession, the economy's doing good. They, they can't just take your word for it, dude. Oh, well, they said it was good, so I guess it was good. That's not how it works. But these are stupid people, and that's why they have to distance themselves from their policies the way they do. And it's not just inflation, man, okay? It's everything they do is just a confidence game. Do you remember when they told us a year and a half ago that inflation was going to be transitory. It'll just be here a few weeks, and then it's gone. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Yeah, they missed by about a, a year and a half on transitory. This is the way it works for the Democrats, okay, every single time. This is why they're failing, just to be clear. And I have no problem with them succeeding, just to be clear. I want the country to do well. I live in this country. I'm raising a kid in this country. I got a cat and a dog and a wife and the, the whole shebang shaboo. Okay, I need the country to do well. I don't care who's leading it. I genuinely don't care. I'm a conservative. I say it all the time, unapologetically so. But if we had elected Kanye West and he had figured out how to close the border and not Venmo all my money to Ukraine, you know, maybe stop the fentanyl epidemic and not drive inflation through the roof, get us into a position where I don't have to turn tricks behind a gas station to buy a gallon of gas. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. I'm not a crazy person. I'm a broke person. Everything's expensive. Okay, I don't care who the president is if they can do a good job. The problem is, okay, is Joe Biden doing a good job? The answer would be no. And if you don't believe Barack Obama, ask Carl. He's in Rylander, Wisconsin. Yo, Carl. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? I'm doing it, man. I'm getting ready to head out to your neck of the woods. I'll be in Iowa. Am I going to make it in Iowa? Am I going to survive? Are they going to rough me up? Uh, I think you'll be fine because you're talking more sense than anybody else I know. So, <laughs> that's um, <laughs> Well, that's good. That's an asset. <laughs> so, here's a, just a thought. I was, it's, are you familiar with the childhood story, The Emperor's New Clothes? Of course. This is exactly what's going on in, in, in the, with the presidency right now. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to to, to explain it. It's, they say whatever they want, and all the people around them, oh, yeah, it must be fine. Must be. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're walking around in your underwear. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Okay. So that's a really good analogy, and I'll tell you why. Because they keep doing this thing where they deny 
what they previously said or did. I'm about to play this clip. I, w- I was meaning to get to anyway, and you just kind of jog my brain on this. It happens to do with Gretchen Whitmer out in, in Michigan. But every Democrat has abandoned every position they previously took, but they do it as if they never took the position. You know, like right now they're talking about, oh, we didn't want to. You remember when Fauci was saying we didn't want to lock things down? He's like, I didn't, I didn't say lock anything down, but I could play you two hours of him saying lock everything up. You know, Biden said, uh, you know, we wouldn't have a vaccine mandate, but then they had a vaccine vaccine mandate. They keep, you know, lying. They keep changing their mind, but they just want everybody to go along with it as if the previous thing never happened. So I don't know if it's like the quite the emperor doesn't have clothes. I think it's the emperor just doesn't have a brain. You know, <laughs> he, he might not be there. He might be fully dressed. The problem is upstairs. He's, he's lacking in a few accessories. You dig That's more than a few. You ain't kidding. Well, I'll be out <laughs> dairy country if you need me, Carl. Have a big weekend. Would you, my man? Yes, absolutely. You as well. Thank you, brother. So, you know what? Carl makes a good point about this. And I'm going to play you this clip. Here is Gretchen Whitmer, okay, at a debate. She's running for the governorship of Michigan again, okay, saying she has always supported the police. That is a fact check false. Just listen to this quick cut because I find it so funny and shameless. This is clip nine. Investing in law enforcement is what we have done and what we need to continue to do to keep people safe. Be someone who supports the defunding movement, which is to take money specifically from police departments and put them into education, for example. I think you do all those other things. You don't need all the money that's going to the police department. So, yeah, I mean, the spirit of it, I, I, I do support that. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. So just to be clear, those are two different clips. One is from a debate, which is 24 hours ago, in which we have to fund the police. We have to support the police. It's something I have always done. Come on, don't bullshit me. Okay, that second clip is her saying, yes, we got to take away funding from the police. That's something I agree with in spirit that we need to do. Okay, the point being is they're really aggressively trying to run away from their record. January 6th, okay, and that decision to subpoena Donald Trump comes down the same day we get our worst inflation numbers in 40 years. Do you think they're trying to change the headline Maybe just a little bit by subpoenaing Trump yesterday. I think he's got a point. You know, Mark Thiessen said as much, okay? He was on yesterday, and he said basically the same thing. It's clip seven. I had this distinct feeling that I was be- my emotions were being manipulated, <laughs> that I was, be- I, was being- I was being churned up uh, to get angry about this all over again. And I think that's the purpose of what this hearing was. As you said, if, if they were going indi- to subpoena Trump, they could have done it a year ago if they were really wanted to do this. It felt like political theater. It felt like uh, I don't think it's, su- it's a coincidence that they scheduled this, rescheduled this hearing for the day that the inflation numbers came out yeah. uh, because, you know, we just found out. Uh, that, uh, that the record inflation continues and we got numbers on, on the consumer price index and they want everybody to be talking about January 6th instead of that. Uh, so I just feel like it's, it's, it's not just political theater, it's political manipulation. I admire your honesty. Straight up, it's political manipulation. They're trying to run away from their record. We talked about this down at Del Rio at the border. They made up an entire hoax, like Jussie Smollett, a Jussie Smollett-level hoax. Photographer takes a picture of Border Patrol agents on horses wielding split reins. 
somebody in the Biden administration, somebody on Twitter sees it and goes, you know, are those whips? And everybody's like, no, those are the reins on the horse. Okay, but there's enough chatter on Twitter that the photographer who takes the photo contacts the White House and says, oh, by the way, I'm hearing this chatter about my photo down at the border. Those are not whips. No one was getting whips. Two and a half hours later, the whole White House press team goes out to the podium to go, they're whipping the migrants. That's just how white folks will do you. That's what they did. This is slavery. It goes back to slavery. Oh, the images it evoked. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. This is horrible. And why did they do it? Because they'd rather have a conversation about fake racism than their real record of not being able to secure the border. Why did they subpoena Trump yesterday? It's not going anywhere. They could have subpoenaed him a year ago. Okay, and again, if the Justice Department wanted to charge Donald Trump, they don't need a January 6th show trial with an ABC TV producer crafting the imagery to make it more emotionally powerful. They can just go out and prosecute the guy. They could indict the guy. They could arrest the guy. If they had something to get Trump on, they would have got him a long time ago. Okay, they hate this guy. They have a political bloodlust for this guy. But the fact that it's dragged on as long as it has means they need to prosecute Trump. The process is the punishment. It's like the Mueller probe. The Mueller probe was started with everybody on the probe knowing there was no collusion. Now, how can I say that? I can say that because we now know through Freedom of Information Act requests through the Durham report. Okay, we now know that the whole probe was based entirely on the Steele dossier, something that was bought and paid for by the Clinton campaign as a means of creating a distraction from her email server scandal. Okay, the Mueller probe was based on nothing more, nothing less than Hillary's campaign making up a complete lie that Trump was in touch with Russia. It hatched the biggest conspiracy theory in the history of our country. Whatever they talked to you about, moon landings, aliens, anything in between, there was no bigger conspiracy in the history of our country than Vladimir Putin somehow had taken control of our government. That's what we were told for two and a half years. Okay, but the point being is there's such a political bloodlust for Trump to get him out of there, to not have one of those guys in charge of all of these political elite establishment people, that they'll stop at nothing to get the guy. But the whole point of the Mueller probe was not to get him on collusion. It was to make the process so unbearable that he eventually self-destructed, fired Robert Mueller, and created the perception that there was a there there. They knew they couldn't get him on collusion, but they knew they might get him on firing Mueller and creating the appearance of collusion. But either way it worked out, they had two and a half years to tarnish the guy. That's what this is now. I'm not defending Trump's actions on January 6th. They were pathetic. They were terrible. They weren't good, dude. They weren't good. Okay, but understand what they're trying to turn them into is exponentially worse because they're warning us about the dangers to our democracy while they're doing everything they can do to corrupt our democracy. Okay, real leadership is not transactional. Okay, doing what you know is right is not something that can come and go when it's politically convenient to do so, which brings me back to that Gretchen Whitmer clip. Everybody in the Democratic Party in the summer of 2020 was saying defund the police. Everybody. I've played you hours of montages on this show. And now they're all turning around saying, we got to support the cops. We've always supported the cops, which isn't true. But they've pivoted back to what they know is the right thing to say because it's now gotten to a point where it's politically expedient to do so. Again, they didn't say support the cops 
as the murder rate just spiked to a 35-year high until all of those people were dead and the poll numbers came down. Do you understand? And that's the scam of right now. We have a lot of people in charge that desperately want power at any and all cost. Principle is of no value to them if it's the only thing standing between them and what they want. And believe me, that's a bigger threat to you and your well-being than anything that will ever come out of Donald Trump's mouth. You're absolutely right. The critics have spoken. You snotty little bastard. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Holding this country together on a Friday. We got some good backup. Kevin Brady stopping by from the great state of Texas. Raymond Arroyo will be here. Lincoln Fallon will be here. Uh, but opening for all of them right now in this break is Rick, who's in Mercersburg, Pennsylvania. Yo, Rick. Hey, I'm doing well, brother. How are you doing? I'm, I'm holding it together, man. Um, listen, I uh, it's Friday. I got to get out to Iowa. There's a whole big to do. But I wanted to talk Biden with you before I headed out to the airport. What do you think? Well, you made a statement. First, can I can I just say one thing? I love your talk show. It's oh, Rick, you're the show. man. Thank you for that. Uh, now, you had you a lot of humor to it, and you're like a regular guy that I'm sitting there at the bar talking to. I know I appreciate that, and we're usually, like, getting kicked out of the bar, to be honest with you, in the shape this show's in. But I'm going to stop you for a second, just a second, because we have 15 seconds till we go to break, and you paid me a nice compliment. Really quick in 10, what was your comment? Biden sucks, more or less? No, you made a statement. Oh, I'm going to lose you, Rick. Call back. Don't stop loving my talk show. The hour's over. Shit. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, fired up on a big Friday. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, getting ready to wrap with Texas Representative Kevin Brady, who is retiring from Congress at the end of this term, which means he can really spill the beans. This might be one of his last interviews before he leaves Washington. Can we get him to light a match and burn it all down? Believe me, we're going to try. 888-788-9910. We're also going to be talking to Raymond Arroyo, who is one half of the cable news powerhouse called the Ingram Angle, and Lincoln Fela, my demon spawn, uh, star Defensive end on the Clark Rams stops by to preview their high school football game tomorrow against Mineola. we got to figure out who to bet. Inflation is at a 40-year high. You people think I'm joking about high school football. Uh, This is all we got now, man. Are you crazy? My gas here, I'm not even making this up. I filled up my Bronco today here in New York City uh, on the west side of Manhattan. Do you know what we're paying right now for gas? Here is the actual price. I asked the guy, I said, how much is a gallon of 93 octane? He said back, wouldn't even give me a price. They don't even list prices now. They just show pictures of, of the sex act. You'll have to turn behind the station to afford a tank of gas. It's back up. And they're like, oh, you know, gas is down a dollar in the last six months, but it's still a dollar 30 higher. Than when you actually got into office. Biden is such a disaster. But they want you to believe, no, it's going good. I'm telling you, you got to understand, it's going good. What the Democrats are doing, and we're going to talk about it at great length in this hour when it comes to inflation, is they're running a confidence scheme. They're all running a confidence scheme between now and Election Day. No, no, things are going good. It's working. There was a calculated decision. Do you remember about two months ago 
when Biden was polling in the mid-30s and every single Democrat who showed up to do a media hit was asked, hey, should Biden run again in 2024? And nobody answered. They were all like, uh, whoa, uh, yeah, my mic cut out. What did you say? No, nobody wants to own it. They look so uncomfortable. Hey, are you here to endorse Joe Biden? No, I was uh, just meeting a hooker. I don't uh, I don't know where he is. He must be running late. Uh, nobody wanted to own it. OK, and the Democrats realized then and there that they had one of two choices to either attempt to hold on to the Senate and the House while threading the needle of, yeah, the president sucks. Nobody likes him. But stick with me, the guy who's rubber stamped everything they've put forth or. I guess we'll just embrace the president and see how it goes. And that's what the Democrats have decided to do. They have decided to lean in on Joe Biden's record. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Okay, a record that really has decimated the quality of life in this country for every rank and file person. If you're in the middle class down, you're getting smoked by this guy. But what have they tried to do? They've tried to get out there and be like, no, no, it's going good. I'm telling you, no, it's going good. We like the policies. It's showing signs of life. Things are looking up. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Let me give you this clip. I played it earlier in the week. This is Brian Deese, of all people. The same jackass they keep trotting out to CNN and all the other channels and saying, well, no, 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 it's going good. I, I, like, I like what we see. They made a calculated decision. To just, I don't know, maybe we'll, you know, we'll, we'll blame the Republicans. We'll say it's MAGA. That's the, you know, MAGA is the problem. Yo, MAGA doesn't control anything right now. Okay, the Democrats control the Senate. The Democrats control the House. The Democrats control the presidency. Whoever happens to be running it. I'm not saying it's Biden. Somebody's running it. Okay, and whoever the hell they are is running it into the ground. Here is Brian Deese, clip 29. Inflation is a challenge. It's a global challenge. And I think the first and most important point is that the United States is in a better and stronger position to take this challenge head on than virtually any other country in the world. So you look at core inflation at 6.6 percent, that's stripping out food and energy. And Brian, just telling Americans that things aren't as bad here as they are around the world really isn't a reassuring statement at this point. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. So it is. No, no, if you look around the world, uh, things are doing better. This is, uh, we're really well positioned. Stop lying to us. They're lying to you. They're really well, well positioned to do what? Bend over and touch your toes? Hold on tight? Hope they don't go too rough on you? What the hell did you just say? <laughs> so, I mean, what do you mean we're in a good position? This is crazy. We have economically dropped the soap. That's the position we're in. We're in a bad spot right now, folks. Not pretty. Not happy to say this. But they've ran a confidence scheme. That's the stretch run here. I'm going to give you a clip. Here's Chris Hayes over at MSNBC. As big of a partisan shill as the world will ever know. Okay. Just shameless. Flat out saying, whoa, if Republicans take back the House... They're going to sabotage the economy so they can use that against Democrats in the 2024 election to win back the presidency. Yo, Chris Hayes, if Republicans really want to sabotage the economy, they don't need to take back the House. Just let the Democrats keep doing exactly what they're doing. Correct the mundo. Here it is, clip 33. If the economy is the number one issue to voters and there is one party that will have an incentive to make it better, and that party is... The one that has the presidency, the Democrats, the other side, the Republicans have an explicit incentive to make the economy worse. 
And I will tell you, having covered the Tea Party Congress of 2011 amidst the recovery from the financial crisis, I feel confident in predicting that if Republicans win control of one or both houses of Congress, they will do everything in their power to sabotage the economy, to best set them up to retake the White House in 2024. Shut up! Will you shut up? So what he's saying is the Republicans, the takeaway there is they're going to intentionally hurt you so they can win in 2024. You know, like the Democrats intentionally declared war on the fossil fuel industry, killed the Keystone Energy Pipeline, ended the fact that we were a net exporter of energy in this country. We're energy independent. They intentionally hurt you at the pump because they want to move to a green energy agenda. Everything the Democrats do, it's always an exercise in projection. The Republicans want to hurt you, he said, as the Democrats were actually hurting you. Okay, understand what the Republicans are running on is a free market that gets the government and gets the regulation out of your life so you can get out there and make a living, so you can get out there and run a small business. You're not required to vaccinate employees and force ridiculous mandates. You're just allowed to let people rely on their own whims and self-preservation instincts. The Republicans are always running on a very simple principle. It's called That's what they want. The Democrats want, no, the government controls these markets. They'll tell you how to staff your business. They're going to, don't worry about it. They're going to make our, our military. It's going to be more inclusive. The government says we need more inclusion in the military. Let's make it woke in the military. Everything woke turns to Okay, and it's not lost on Jamie Dimon. Jamie Dimon's running J.P. Morgan Chase, and he's been fired up. He was on CNBC. And flat out just smoked Biden yesterday, saying we should have been pumping more oil and gas this whole time. And why is this significant? Because what he's saying is what the Democrats also know to be true, meaning they know we should be pumping more oil and gas. They know we shouldn't be relying on other countries. If you're really trying, okay, to save the world, if you're one of those crazy environmentalists, like those jackasses who just threw two cans of tomato soup at a Van Gogh painting, over in Europe to bring attention to climate change. Okay, that just happened. I don't know if you saw that this morning. But, yes, that went on. Idiots trying to bring attention to climate change. So they threw two cans of tomato soup at the Van Gogh flowers painting because they're going to save the world. They're crazy. They're losers. They're spoiled white kids who think they're going to save the world. They love the moral superiority that comes from climate change. Well, we're saving the planet. You guys got to get out of the way because we're saving the planet. And it's that self-righteousness, okay, that sense of, you know, I'm a better person. I know better than these guys that makes them feel justified in these idiotic actions. No differently than the stuff that had white people calling the defund the police. Dude, if you were watching the summer of 2020, okay, you were watching a lot more white people yelling defund the police than you were black people. Do you want to know why? Because in a lot of black communities, okay, They rely on the police quite a bit and recognize that they need them because they're always going to be a better option than having your streets policed by criminals. This is universal to any race. This is not a black thing or a white thing. This is a right thing or a wrong thing. Okay, black people and mass were not out there saying defund the police. Black Lives Matter was because they were making money off it and buying mansions in white neighborhoods. Okay, if you've been following that story, it's BLM, buy large mansions. That's all they're doing. No scholarships. They're not helping anybody with, you know, criminal defenses. They're not working hard to bring in some type of reform. No, they got rich and left. It was one of the greatest grifts ever. 
But the point is every one of these people that enters us into these transactional postures, like kill the energy industry, when it backfires, they turn around and go, well, no, we've always supported the energy. We just need a transition. It's no different than the clip I played you in the last hour of dopey Gretchen Whitmer telling you we got to defund the police two years ago. But now that crime has skyrocketed and people have gotten murdered, she's like, I've always supported the police. That's all I've ever done is support the police. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. They know no shame. Here's Jamie Dimon saying we got it wrong on energy. Clip 31. In my view, America should have been pumping more oil and gas and it should have been supported. I would put it in a critical category. And this should be treated almost as a matter of war at this point, not as uh, nothing short of that. A matter of war. Nothing short of that. And again, okay, even if you're not looking at it as a matter of war, like he said, okay, look at this as a matter of fact, okay? The Democrats want you to believe that we're in an existential crisis when it comes to climate change. The world's going to end. You've got to limit your carbon footprint. Promise me you're going to limit your carbon footprint before I get on my private jet and fly away. Would you you promise me you you limit that carbon footprint? I got my jets running. I got to get on it. I got to fly to the next one of these and pass around the collection plate again. Just prom. Okay, you're gonna okay, you're gonna limit it. And then one more thing. Please give us money. That's how climate change works. They make money. It went from we're all going to freeze in the 70s to we're all going to melt in the 80s to it's getting really hot. We're all going to drown in the 90s to none of that happened in the aughts. So they said, all right, the climate's not warming. It's it's climate change. It's not global warming anymore. You don't say global warming. OK, you'll have to put a quarter in the square jar if you say global warming. Please give us money because it's climate change now. Repeat after me. It's climate change. OK, you get it. Cli- all right. I got to get on my plane now just before I go. Pay up, suckers. That's all this is. All it is, all it is, everybody who tells you the science is settled on, on climate change, the science is settled. They're the same people who told you the science was settled on vaccines. Don't you dare say vaccinated people get COVID. How dare you? The science is settled. And what did we come to find out? Pfizer didn't even test the vaccine to see if vaccinated people could get COVID. And as it turns out, a lot of vaccinated people got COVID. You know who else got a lot of COVID? Boosted people. Okay. But they told you at the time, oh, no, it's settled. The science is settled. Shut you, shut your mouth. The science is settled. It's no different than what they're doing on climate change. These are stupid people. They're stupid people. They run on self-righteousness. The people who tell you to follow the science on the vaccine got the science wrong. But they insist the science is settled on climate change, the most idiotic thing you've ever heard, because the oldest joke known to man is what? Nobody, nobody, okay, gets the weather right when you watch the news. You know, the oldest joke in the world. Weatherman's going to be wrong 90% of the time. You should be a weatherman. You can be wrong 90% of the time. Nobody cares. Woo! But they want you to believe that even though you can't get tomorrow's weather right, you can get 50 years from now's weather forecast right. I mean, come on. How much weed do you have to smoke? To really believe that's a thing. How stupid and gullible do you have to be? Okay, but the people who said follow the science on the vaccine got it wrong. Now they're saying follow the science on climate. Okay, I got to be honest. They don't have any science. Okay, these are the same idiots that tell you men can have babies. Seriously, men can have babies. Men are getting pregnant. We pledge you those clips. If a man can have a baby, seriously, where is it coming out of? I I hate saying this, but since they're going to bring it up, is it a butt baby? Like, how does that work? Like, what is, honestly, I know that's a little crass, but this is the conversation. Is that how this works? It's a boy. You know, is that what we're doing here? Because heaven forbid, 
Heaven forbid it's coming out the other side. This could be a problem. A big problem. But these are the people who tell you the science is settled. They have no idea what they're talking about. And it's really screwing up the country. We decided climate change, science is settled, we've got to save the world, the, New, the, the, the America. We've got to declare war on the fossil fuel industry because they're polluting. No more of these dirty fossil fuels here in America. So now we hit a fuel crisis, and what do we do? We go get fuel from places like Venezuela and the Saudis who burn it 42% filthier than we do. We're burning fuel here. We're producing energy here 42% cleaner than anyone else in the world. Yet we're cutting our own production in the name of saving the environment and having the other countries boost theirs to make it work. Yo, we are creating more pollution by doing this because not only are they producing it filthier, but they got to ship it here, which requires even more of those pesky fossil fuels to get it. Okay, that's the problem in this country. We don't have a crime problem. Okay, we don't have a border problem. We don't have a fuel problem. We have a stupid problem. There are stupid people running the government right now, and pretty much every one of them has to go. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A lot of talk about the midterms. Someone just asked Kamala Harris about 2024. And even she had, at least to her credit, the good sense to pivot back to the midterms. Listen to this. At the midterm election point, as we look ahead, will we see Biden-Harris ticket for 2024? I am focused on the midterms, which are happening in a total of 26 days. And I am looking forward to that. The president has said he intends to run, and if he does, I will be running with him. You blockhead! She's not run. By first, let me two things. Biden's not running. Biden will not be running water in 2020. This guy's a disaster, and he knows that. They just can't announce it now on the front end because, again, it creates the perception that this administration has been a failure, which by default hangs around the necks of everybody running as a Democrat in the midterms. They're trying to lean in and convince people this is working and that he's going to run again. Of course, he's going to run again. I promise you, I will bet anybody listening, anything on earth you want to bet me, he's not going to run again. It's not going to happen, okay? At that point, she is going to try to run like she did the last time. The problem is Kamala Harris is unelectable, unelectable to national office on her own. Yes, they got elected somehow through whatever chicanery they were into. And the fact that enough people hated Trump to vote Biden Kamala without ever kicking the tires and realizing what we were getting ourselves into. But the fact remains, when she ran for president as a Democrat, she was polling at one percent when she dropped out one percent and she dropped out before the Iowa caucuses. She didn't even make it to the first nominating contest. She came into this with big money. She came into this with big media support. Okay, she was a woman of color. None of it mattered. Okay, she didn't even make it to the first nominating contest, dropping out before the voting started. This is the political equivalent of passing out in the tub on New Year's Eve drunk before the ball drops. You know, you've probably been to that one New Year's Eve party where somehow it's 1108 
and somebody's throwing up in the bathroom already. Like, what are you doing, dude? You got to make it to midnight on New Year's Eve. That was Kamala. Okay, but she's talking, you know, strategically. Ah, it's all about the midterms. Well, she should focus on the midterms because after this, there's no other election uh, for her to be a part of. Do I think she's going to run on her own? Probably. And she's going to get, you know, her butt handed to her by the Gavin Newsom's and the Mayor Pete's and all those other idiots the Democrats like. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon holding this country together on a Friday. News cycle starting to get dicey, so I'm calling in a ringer. We needed some backup. We're going to the bullpen. We're bringing in a heavyweight from the great state of Texas. Representative Kevin Brady joins us. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. How are you doing? You know, it's Friday. We're in We're in good spirits. My Yankees appear to be on a collision course with your Houston Astros. You you knew it from from opening day. That was where it was headed. So, and we've all we both teams have been hotter than hot and uh, had a few slumps. And so, yeah, I think I think it's going to be epic um, yeah. series. Yeah, no, people are pumped up about it. The Yankees are playing right now, and yep. uh, if if they get out of this in one piece, which I expect them to, it, it, it's a matchup. It's a good rematch from that previous one. Now, let me ask you: Are you, are you guys planning to steal our signs again, or is this one going to be on the level? <laughs> Oh, look, I knew you were going to go there. Did you? I knew you were going to go there. The (laughs) short answer is, and by the way, the Yankees have a few problems that direction, too. Oh, yeah. It's going to be straight up match. And uh, and as you know, you know, there's very few Yank- uh, Astros left from that uh, yeah. 2017. No, no, no. Series, but... Listen, and just between you and me, uh, you know, if the Yankees could pull it off, they would. So don't think I'm judging your Astros. They were just they were <laughs> just it. better at it than the rest of us. Um, but the bigger hustle right now, I don't think is sign stealing. I think the bigger hustle is this inflation racket. Let me pivot really yeah. quick because the strategy seems to be right now is they're really trying to downplay it. But you've got to be dumb to not think people you know, see through it, you know, because people are living this reality. Is the White House dumb? Do they not care? Do they think the people are dumb? What is the play? Like, what are they trying to do there? Yeah, so they assume voters are dumb and and they can tell them anything that the border is secure, that crime is down, you know, that uh, that the oil companies are responsible for the energy prices and, you know, that there's zero inflation. And as you know, this past week, really was terrible news for both working families and seniors. There was a double dose of inflation. Main Street businesses are seeing huge inflation numbers, which means that's going to end up in in the costs of everything from food to clothing and equipment going on. But then the core inflation hit a record high under Joe Biden. Remember a year ago, he he promised American people inflation to peak. Uh, now it's the highest on record in his presidency. So healthcare costs, I know he brags a lot about lowering healthcare costs. It rose more in one year than in the history since we've been recording these things, nearly 30%. Rent, housing, same thing, highest increases uh, on record, and that's not going anywhere soon. Uh, for, so for a lot of Americans, to your point, Jimmy, a lot of Americans who are skipping meals, dipping into savings, delaying retirement, and looking for extra work, you know, to try to make ends meet for them. This is 
Joe Biden's economy is a very cruel economy, and, and they live it every day. Yeah, it is not pretty. We're talking to Representative Kevin Brady from the 8th Congressional District of Texas. He is, of course, the ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee in the Republican Party. Uh, down there in Texas, we had a little bit of a hullabaloo this week where we got more revelations about the administration slandering border agents claiming that they were whipping migrants, something we've you know visited the story in the past and knew it to be false at the time. Um, but hearing these revelations that the photographer himself had alerted them before they actually got on TV and said this was a real story, is that as simple as pundits on TV read it to be, which is a lot of us are saying, you know, they, they, they kind of pivoted to slandering the border agents because they'd rather talk about that than their real inability to, to secure the border. Is there something I'm missing there or is, is that the straight read? Yeah, I think that's the straight reason. Look, they they are, you know, this open border policy is it's a national security issue, it's a drug overdose issue, it's a crime issue, uh, and and our state is paying a steep price for it, which is why you're going to see a huge number of Hispanics along the border voting Republican because you know the damage has been so high. But given the choice between for the president between just securing the borders and backing these border agents in ICE, letting them do their job, helping them do their jobs. Yeah. You know, yeah. their first their first response is to trash them and attack them. And whether it's law enforcement or border security, uh, that that's just their 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 M.O. Yeah, it's, it's tough to watch because I can't imagine what, what morale would be. You know, if you're ah. risking your life, you're throwing on the uniform. I mean, this ain't you know, these aren't crossing guards, not to say they don't have no. long days, but this is heavy. No, you mean. Yeah, no, and last time, to your point, the last time I was down there, you know, the morale was incredibly low in what struck me because there's no end in sight. There's no end in sight for them. They're not, they can't do their job. And what I didn't quite realize until this recently is how many of our border agents actually live in their communities. They grew up in their communities. So they're not just securing the borders. They're securing their own neighborhoods and their own communities. They take this personally. When they're not allowed to do their job, when they have to catch and release, you know, uh, you know, three fourths of the people that they detain, and those repeated crossings, they they know what's happening in their community. So yeah, it's just particularly offensive when this White House attacks, you know, the, the only ones trying to secure this border. Yep, it's it's rough, man. Uh, we've been kind of watching this slow motion train wreck from afar because now we've finally gotten to a place where they're relocating some migrants to New York. So now we have an up close look at this. But everybody keeps picking fights with Abbott for draw, trying to draw attention to the problem, or Ron DeSantis trying to draw attention to the problem. But the real culprit, I don't believe, are Republicans trying to draw attention to the problem. I think the problem is the problem, and I think that's the bigger issue here. Is at some point to the death detriment of everyone in this country, okay, the Democrats decided it was a good idea to not care what happens at the border. I do see them trying to acknowledge this as an issue now, and it sounds like they've brought back Remain in Mexico, or at least Remain in Venezuela anyway, for Venezuelan migrants. But didn't they spend two years fighting that to a Supreme Court level to not have to enforce Remain in Mexico? They did. Yeah, they did. You have a great memory. I think they're hoping people will forget. But look, what I would say to New York and Washington, D.C. mayors and and Martha's Vineyard is welcome to Joe Biden's America. You're seeing a day, a half a day of what we see every 24 hours in Texas. I think New York, mm-hmm. you know, screaming bloody murder. That's three days yep. worth of crossings at El Paso and Del Rio and that in those sectors. So they're getting the smallest amount. This is a huge 
humanitarian crisis and, and national security crisis. And, and you're right. Look, the president and the vice president, they just don't care and won't come down. They'll fundraise in Texas. They'll travel Texas. Um, but they will not come down and actually see the crisis they created. No, no way. If they show up, the news cameras show up, and then it's a national conversation. That's why, you know, they kicked everybody out of Martha's Vineyard in about five minutes. It was it was almost impressive to see their commitment uh, to not being the sanctuary cities they had, you know, established themselves as being. You know, it looks like more of a brand than a lifestyle, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's just frustrating here. And yeah. tell you what, the other thing, too, is I don't care who you are, we've had – more migrants die on American soil mm-hmm. under this president, more than 750. And another one recently, another trailer, trailer load, doesn't mm-hmm. care about them either. Nope. So, you know, spare us the compassionate, you know, rhetoric here. You know, you're you're sentencing people to death when, when you're encouraging them to try to cross what's a very harsh landscape uh, and maybe travel a thousand miles under a coyote's guidance. It is uh, it's a terrible way for people to enter the country. Yeah, it's bad. Um, but, you, you know, you uh, are retiring at the end of this term. What does that mean to a guy like Kevin Brady? Are you going to buy season tickets to the Astros? I hope not. What are you going to do with yourself? Actually, actually, that may be number one on my list, Jimmy, just so you know, you're reading my mind. So bottom line is, you know, one, I, I'm going to run through the tape uh, January 3rd. We've still got a lot of work to do mm-hmm. on the economy, inflation, on, on all these issues. So my number one goal is helping Republicans take back the majority. I'm confident we will. Also making sure our Ways and Means Committee and our conference has an economic agenda. We do. I'm pretty excited about that, this commitment to America. Mm-hmm. And then, look, I, I, we'll figure out something starting January or February after my term is over, but right. but I'm going to stay engaged in some way. Okay, well, I'll, I'll you know, I, I know you're dying to watch the World Series, so I'll get you some tickets to Yankee Stadium, okay? It's a deal. <laughs> yeah. It's a deal. Good. We'll, we'll come. I'll be the one uh, celebrating at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, all right, that's enough out of you. All right, listen, you know, I love talking <laughs> to you, man. Have a great weekend. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Take Thanks, care. Jimmy. You too, my man. Representative Kevin Brady. Rep- Kevin Brady says the Astros are going all the way. Wrong. Come on, man. Yankees are hot. Giancarlo Stanton just hit a two-run homer. Game two. Yanks are up 2 nothing right now. Okay, I, this is, I, I feel it. This is a good year for the Yankees. I don't know if they're going to go all the way. But, uh, you know, I don't see this Astros thing working out either. And uh, I'm, just not, I'm, I'm in a good place with sports between you and me really quickly because Lincoln, uh, you know, kind of evolving into someone who was interested in sports. He was always kind of indifferent. Lincoln played a lot of Fortnite, told a lot of jokes, tried to hijack my radio show, but wasn't particularly athletic till like a year and a half ago. You know, I, you know, made him play T-ball. I coached his team and, you know, checked out the moms and the bleachers, stuff like that. And it was my favorite thing at the Little League. We, when I coached Lincoln's Little League team, I'm not making this up, it was T-ball. I coached his T-ball team as a New York City cab driver. So I worked my 12 hours, 15 hours, come home on a weeknight and coach a T-ball team. Well, we had a draft before we, you know, started T-ball. They have a draft in T-ball. It's the most absurd thing you've ever heard. But you know these dads, and God love them. They're nice people. But you know these dads that think they are major league managers, even at a T-ball level, you know, running drills and everything in between. Uh, and that's fine. You want to create better players. But, you know, this is a little too serious. So anyway, we're at a bar for what I am told is a T-ball draft. And they legitimately have scouted 
the children. I want this kid because he's a righty, balances out my lineup because we have too much left-handed power. And I'm dead serious. This was a moment in my life where I looked at these guys and I was like, you guys really scouted the kids in T-ball? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, dude, I scouted the moms. Hubba, hubba. Like, I actually did. (laughs) Okay. Which moms are going to look good in the bleachers this Saturday morning? After I drive 15 hours overnight, I need somebody who's going to keep me awake. But the point is, from that point forward, Lincoln played a little t-ball. He's played flag football. He's played, you know, intramural stuff. But he never really cared. And, like, two years ago, he kind of got into sports. Like, as he, you know, aged and matured. And now he's, like, super competitive, and he's playing football and baseball and basketball. So I'm kind of getting, like, that rebirth through a child's eyes of sports, where he's not talking about social justice protest. He's not talking about economics. Just talking about who's going to win and who he's rooting for. And it's kind of fun to be around again. So it's funny because I'm rooting for the Yankees uh, right now, you know, with him in mind. You know, me and the Yankees, we kind of peaked in the 90s. Okay, we won a bunch of World Series. We beat the Mets. Then we had that incredible World Series that we lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2001. Then we lost again to the Marlins in 03, only to win it in 2009. Uh, when the Yankees last won the World Series, I was in the stadium with my mom, my Aunt Fran, and my Uncle Sonny. And they won it at home against the Philadelphia Phillies. I was sitting in the very last row of the upper deck in the new Yankee Stadium. And it was the greatest celebration. Everybody's singing and dancing, New York, New York, dumping beer, drinking beer, high-fiving. Women are flashing us in the streets. Hubba, hubba. There it is again. And uh, one of the funniest... Uh, harshest comeuppances of my adult life is they win this World Series. Everybody parties far into the night. Takes about five hours to get out of a freaking stadium when a team wins the World Series. But again, you don't care. You're having fun. But as we finally make it out the door to the World Series, I look at my watch and realize I have to be at the taxi garage in 30 minutes. That can't be good. It was not good. And uh, I did drive a 12-hour shift that day. Spent about six of it completely asleep in REM sleep (laughs) as we were driving down the highway with people in the back. But the point is, it's nice to be back to rooting for the Yankees again, and heaven forbid they pull it off. I probably won't have to pick up a taxi at 5 in the morning, although I will probably have a 4 a.m. TV hit on Fox and Friends first. But I ain't complaining. Let's go Yankees. Back after this. Taking the edge off one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Big Friday episode of this show before we head out to Iowa. I'll be taking a plane, of course. Uh, flying out of LaGuardia Airport, which is a thinly veiled way of going to a dominatrix. They call you names. They take all your money. At one point, they'll put out a cigarette on you. It's a, LaGuardia's a rough one. Uh, but I'm fired up to get out of the freaking state, go see the Iowans, hang out, have a few pops, tell a few jokes on a tumwa. So if you're out that way... Head out to the Bridgeview Center tomorrow night. It is a 7.30 show. Doors, are, doors open at 6.30. You can still get tickets at Ticketmaster.com. But right now is no time to talk about my career. we got to talk about the truckers out there on the road. Our senior correspondent to gasoline joining us now from Jackson, Tennessee. Yo, Jerome. Jimmy. My man. How's it going, brother? Good, man. You're down in uh, Rocky Top country. What's going on in Tennessee? Yes, sir. 
Well, that's that's actually actually where I live at. I live in Kingsport, Tennessee. Oh, I didn't know I'm that. I'm always about Rocky Top. Yeah. Well, do you want some inside information that I'm not supposed to give out on the air? Uh, New yeah. Year's New Year's Eve. I will be hosting New Year's Eve from Nashville. It's kind of a known thing, but oh, I'll is be that doing, right? Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm back in the Wild Horse Saloon. I got to do like a stand-up set and talk to the crowd and all of that. So, uh, if you oh, wind well. up being in the neighborhood, I'll get you on the guest list, Jerome. Yeah, I, I drove around there this morning. Oh, there you, there you go, man. So <laughs> I, uh, we, you know, the way the New Year's show works, right, is they have people all over the country. You know, there's like Emily Campagno's here in New York, and last year they had oh, like sweet Raymond. little Emily. Oh yeah, she's a good egg, and uh, <laughs> and 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 so we were in Nashville, and it's so funny because every time they cut to Nashville on live TV, you know, the New Yorkers yeah. were outdoors wearing masks. In Nashville, people are no masks indoors. They're playing spin the bottle with strangers. Nobody cared. The point is, is COVID was as deadly as they said it was. Everyone in Nashville would be dead for two years now. Exactly. Good. The whole state of Tennessee. Oh, it ain't true. We it's was true. too busy yeehawing. <laughs> you can't. You can't catch it yeehawing. That's how it works. What is uh? What, what you gave me a gas update Monday. What is it on Friday as you made it back home? Well, it's it's went up for. Uh, Twelve or thirteen more cents oh. here, and since I talked to you, gosh, so it's went up thirty, thirty-two, thirty-three cents. Wow! But it's five, it's five nineteen in Jackson. Wow! And everywhere else I've seen is like five twenty-five, and I did see one there around uh, Nashville that was like five thirty-nine. Wow! That's so. A, I mean, yeah, these are you're you're paying topless bar prices for gasoline. Exactly. This is crazy. Ain't getting nothing. No thrill. <laughs> we got to get somebody out there. You know what I mean? We got yeah. to do something. You got to get a little bang for your buck. You got to pay these prices. This is an outrage, man. This is this is crazy. Um, do you guys? This is what I wanted to ask you. I feel, I feel like we we might have brought this up once before. Is there any type of you know? It, does it depend on whether you own your rig or you're driving for a company? Like, what is the difference uh, it, when the prices well, are what they are? Well, if you drive for a company, they usually give you a fuel card. Mm -hmm. So you've got kind of a fleet discount there. Yeah. And which I don't know how much it is, but if if you're if you're independent, then you're full paying full price every time you stop. Wow. And I've I talked to one guy there and he said by the time he paid his fuel insurance and his truck payment, he made two hundred dollars. On a thousand mile run. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, I mean, he was talking about parking his truck, and a lot of these guys has done that. That's that. It's not. I mean, yeah, I, I don't well, think that's, people that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. That's what happens when we got a zoo running the country. <laughs> zoo. I was, I was telling you, screener there. I figured out what they are uh -huh. in the zoo. What Biden? Are he's a possum. Uh huh. Biden's a possum. Uh -huh. Kamala, she's a laughing hyena. <laughs> Chuck Schumer, he's a warthog. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi, she's a California condor. <laughs> the squad's a herd of zebra running around kicking up dust, being real flagellant. <laughs> and the rest of them are chimpanzees except for uh, Bernie. He's an old orangutan. Well, you kept this cleaner than I thought you were going to, Jerome. Take a bow. Happy Friday. <laughs> Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. 
Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. Another big hour of Fox Across America coming your way. Raymond Arroyo is going to be here. One half of the dynamic duo known as the Ingram Angle here on the Fox News channel. You will also hear from my son, Lincoln Fela who is fired up. He's walking around the classroom right now with his jersey on. It's a football Friday for the Clark Rams. they got a big one tomorrow out in Mineola. And uh, we got to see how the Rams are going to do. we got to know where to bet our money. So let's have that conversation. 888-788-9910. Football is at the top of mind, as KJP likes to say at the White House. She's worse than Kamala. Yeah, KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, is really terrible at her job. Uh, but I bring her up uh, because she is, in fact, a diversity hire, as Kamala was. As you know, the White House openly said when Joe Biden was running for president, he said, I want a woman of color to be my running mate. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And at the time, people were like, well, this is kind of racist when you just flat out say, hey, we're interviewing for a job, but nobody who looks like this should apply. Uh, but the bigger problem there is that We've gotten away from a meritocracy, meaning we're not hiring people because they know what they're doing. We're hiring people in the name of representation. We need to check boxes. And the fact that they're so concerned with checking boxes is why a lot of us are having a hard time getting a paycheck. Okay, the economy's a mess. The border's a mess. Everything's out of control. But the diversity thing, the equity thing, The whole idea of portraying America in 2022 like it's America in 1822 has spilled its way into sports reporting. As you know, professional sports leagues have been very socially active in the last couple of years. And there's a funny story that you'll probably get a kick out of down in Tampa Bay. So Todd Bowles is the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when he's not working as a marriage counselor to Tom Brady and Giselle, he is swatting away ridiculous attempts by reporters to raise a woke line of questioning about black coaches in the NFL and inclusion and him coaching against a fellow black coach and Mike Tomlin on the Steelers. And what happens a lot of times, okay, is whenever there is something new, something uh, transformational, okay, it brings a lot of people to the conversation who have no background in what they're discussing. Like to give you an example, like Barack Obama was a historic candidate and he did bring a lot of people into the political sphere who didn't know anything about politics, knew nothing about precedents, knew nothing about how laws get passed or how Washington operates. And for that reason, we got dragged into a lot of low information discussions, which is no different than what happened with Donald Trump. Like I'll give you a good example with Donald Trump. Is, you know, Trump, another transformative candidate, a very visible media figure, brought a lot of people into the political discussion that knew nothing about how politics worked, knew nothing about how the presidency worked and have always made all kinds of, you know, wild, wild demands of Trump. I mean, if you remember, which is so funny, but the Democrats, when Donald Trump won the presidency, tried three ways before he got sworn in to stop him from becoming the president. First, they were going to have a recount. Because of Jill Stein in Wisconsin, but it turns out if you don't get any votes the first time around, they can't really recount them a second time around. (laughs) Then, if you remember, they took out a widespread media campaign to pressure the Electoral College to, quote, vote their conscience. And there was, for about a month there, a belief in the media 
that the Electoral College could, in fact, overthrow the will of the people, vote their conscience, and not appoint Donald Trump as your president. Now, I bring that up because a lot of people have conveniently memorably hold the fact that Democrats have challenged the electoral vote count every time they've lost an election in this century. Okay, when they lost in 2000, Al Gore, they challenged the certification of the vote. When they lost in 2004, John Kerry, they challenged the certification of the vote. When they lost Hillary Clinton in 2016, they challenged the certification of the vote. But understand, when Trump said, I object, the Democrats were like, that's treason. Throw him in jail. You can't do such a thing. Democrats are so full of crap. Okay, but a lot of people who were new to the process really did believe what Trump was doing was unprecedented. Okay, it wasn't unprecedented. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying January 6th was good. But I'm saying when new people come to the discussion who know nothing about the background of what they're discussing, not only is there a lot of misinformation, but the herd mentality, social media, quickly accelerates these dumb ideas. That's how like something like defund the police took off. But there's a point I'm making here that has nothing to do with politics and everything to do with sports. Todd Bowles is now, because social justice has become a part of the professional sports experience, he's now being questioned by reporters who know nothing, and I mean nothing, about how the NFL works, who know nothing about apparently the racial dynamics of the NFL, who know nothing about you know the fan base that powers the NFL, who know nothing but, hey, where can I sell racial grievance so we can get some more clicks on our website? The media is a bunch of losers. Okay. Todd Bowles, to his credit, in this clip I'm about to play you, okay, uh, I didn't love him as the head coach of the New York Jets, and neither did they. They got rid of him in a hurry. Went down the Tampa Bay, became a coordinator, but as Bruce Arians retired, suddenly found himself back in the coach's chair this fall. You know, mixed results so far. But to his credit, he makes a goal line stand against a social justice inquisition here in pretty impressive fashion. It's clip 42. You and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship is like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that fold. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal as far as us being coaching against each other. I think it's normal. Wilkes got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to mean something. Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grew up like them, it means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. I mean... <laughs> Todd Bowles, that is the greatest answer ever. The greatest answer ever when it comes to social justice, when it comes to trying to stir up grievance, because they're looking for a comment out of him, like, you know, there aren't enough black coaches in the NFL. The NFL's racist. They're looking to fan the flames of division. But here's a newsflash. Okay, the NFL is a league that's 74% black, 
It's the by far the most popular North American sport. It's a nine billion dollar industry. It's annually the highest watched media event of the year in this country is the Super Bowl. And it's that popular because the vast, 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 vast majority of the country is way past race. Correct the mundo. Guys, we're not racist. Nobody cares. They don't care. Am I, I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, there's a few thousand jackasses out there that might, but in a population of 330 million, we are the most tolerant and inclusive society on the planet, number one. Okay, number two, when it comes to playing football, they just want the best players. Okay, that's what they want. It's no different than trying to do all this woke garbage that they're trying to do in our military right now. Everything woke turns to Yes, because it has nothing to do with the objective of the mission. You're never going to be on a battlefield and hear somebody say, cover me, I'm going in, but not these people. I don't like their race. Everybody else, cover me, I'm going in. You guys hold your fire. If you want to shoot at me, that's fine, because I don't like it. That's not how war works. You don't have the luxury of discrimination in war. And here's a newsflash. You don't have the luxury of discrimination in the NFL. Okay, when these guys get to the NFL, do you want to know how you get to the NFL? You are the most relentlessly competitive lunatic alive. You are spectacular, spectacularly gifted. You have God-given talent. You have hit the talent lottery in life, managed to stay healthy, worked your ass off, and live every minute of your life with a competitive streak that drives everything you do. The idea of whining about discrimination or equity or anything in between goes against the grain of everything these people are calibrated on. That's why I say when you start bringing social justice into a league that never focused on it, you're going to get a lot of reporters who know nothing about how the league works. When you talk about equity and inclusion and racism and discrimination and people need to look around and see people who look like him, them, so does that mean we should fire 24% of the black players of the NFL so more white players look around and see guys who look like them? Like, come on, this is insane. You can't look at the world through the lens of race. You just can't. It's exhausting. It never ends. You know what else it never does? It never delivers any meaningful societal progress. The NFL, 74% black, close to 80% at some points, and that's great. We just want to see the best players on the field. Okay, we want to see the best coaches. No one's sitting around cares who's coaching these teams. We have evolved as a society. I can promise you there was a day where racial attitudes weren't as relaxed as they are now. And it took a lot of work, took a lot of sacrifice, took a lot of protest to get us where we are now. And the problem I have with everybody trying to portray America in 2022 as America in 1822 is it denies all of that progress. It denies all the sacrifice, all the protests, all the arrests, all the deaths it took to integrate this society. Okay, there was a time where Democratic-run Jim Crow states would not have allowed this to happen. Okay, they didn't want black people voting. Think about that. When the Democrats were running the Jim Crow South— Black people were getting attacked. They were getting beaten. They were getting their homes burned down. They were getting charged poll taxes. They were getting charged literacy clauses in order to go vote. And the same Democrats who did that to them turned around 50 years later and claimed Republicans were worse than Jim Crow for simply asking for an ID before anybody voted of any color. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia. Think about that. 
They were asking voter ID. They weren't asking black people for voter ID. They were asking all people for voter ID. Why? Because they're living in a world where we're treating people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. But in the democratic worldview, okay, where they went from running the Klan and being the party of discrimination to, hey, what if we got some black votes to come our way instead of demonizing this community of people? What if we just started completely pandering to them? What if we started subjecting them to the constant soft bigotry of low expectations? Oh, they can't get an ID. What are you talking about? How insulting is that to anyone? You cannot participate in polite society if you don't have a valid ID. Can't rent a car, can't open a bank account, can't board a plane. Can't get a vaccine, by the way. So is it vaccine suppression when you ask somebody for an ID before they get a vaccine? I mean, it's bananas. But this is how the woke, okay, the woke warrior thinks. They look at the world through the lens of race. They try to incite grievance, but they're not trying to incite grievance because they want to help the particular community they're defending. They're inciting grievance because they want to help themselves. It is a brand to them. I am woke. I am good. I see injustice where other people are incapable of seeing it. Ergo, I'm morally superior. Everyone, please give me a round of applause because I hate myself. Can you please give me some likes on Twitter before I fill up the bathtub, throw my head into it, and scream? Ah! Listen to this Todd Bowles answer one more time. It's the best coaching interview answer you're going to hear this year. It's clip 42. You and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship is like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that fold. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal. As far as us being coaching against each other, I think it's normal. Wilkes got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to mean something. Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grow up like them, it means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And... I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. Oh, my! I mean, my goodness gracious. I need a cigarette after listening to that. Because essentially what Todd Bowles said to those reporters is what everybody has been saying to these racial grievance warriors the whole time. You suck, you jackass. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone. 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Lincoln Fallon is coming up. Raymond Arroyo is coming up. But we're going to squeeze in a couple of quick calls before they get here. John, batting lead off in Butte, Montana. Yo, John. Hey, brother. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm quietly becoming a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan right now because of Todd Bowles. Yeah, I know. I heard that when you were saying that. That is the greatest all-time response that somebody could ever say. Ever. And these... I just wish... Yeah, go ahead. I'm just wishing more people had a set of nuts like he does because that was just beautiful. It really was, you know, because they need to hear that already. Just shut up. Like, these guys are trying to win a game. You know how competitive you got to be to get into the NFL? 
You know, how many injuries you play through, how much pain, how many drugs, how many concussions. They're not looking for extra things to be upset about. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, when you really look at it, I mean, people want to say, well, what kind of shape you got to be in, man? You got to be in better shape than I'll ever be to do that. That's for damn sure. (laughs) No, there's that too, man. (laughs) This whole thing, man, these dopey reporters, because everybody, it's so weird. But you know why people like these fake race fights? Because it allows them to feel better about themselves. They go like, hey, I'm better than those fake racists. But nobody cares wow. anymore. It's 2020. Nobody cares in 2022. We're an integrated society. Nobody cares. Well, the funny thing about a lot of this is is that so many of them, they want to keep this thing going, and mm. yet they're running out of steam. Yes. People are finally starting to stand up. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. It's just that people got tired. It just doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? There's a, In the movie Casino, Joe Pesci is the enforcer, and he eventually gets sloppy, and he can't knock people out with one punch anymore. The old left hook isn't working. That's the race card. You know, they go, eventually, Nicky wasn't getting him down with one punch anymore. That's where we are with the race right. card. It just doesn't work. I'm glad you get it. Uh, I'm going to lose you here to a break, but thanks for the call. Have a big weekend, John. Hey, you too, and you need to hurry up and get into Montana, darn it. It's coming, man. I'm telling you, it's going to come in the spring. Get your game face on. We'll talk soon. Uh, Brandy is in Houston, Texas, one of the states I'm headed to next. Yo, Brandy. Hi, Mr. Fela. Hello, hello. Uh, Thank you for the call. You're welcome. I always had a question for you. I always wondered Mm -hmm. if you were able to meet anybody on the left, anybody, and actually sit down like in a cozy private environment, mm-hmm. not televised. Yes. Who would that be and why? Just to talk about what's going on in this country. Well, I would like to talk to whoever the real president is. I can't give you a name, but I'd like to know who's actually running this thing. But if you wanted a public figure for real by name, it would actually be Bill Clinton. Because Bill Clinton is more capable of conversing honestly about issues than the modern Democratic Party. Like, they're way to the left of him. So I do feel you could have a reasonable chat with Bill Clinton. Plus, it would probably take place in a Hooters, which is always a win for my staff and the rest of the team. Brilliant call, Brandy. We're back with Raymond Arroyo after this. Reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you're damn right it is. And you talk about an embarrassment of radio riches. Every once in a while, our producer just likes to flex muscle and bring in the type of power guest that really puts us on the media map for the day. Joining us now is exactly that guest, the superstar author of a fabulous new book that has already been read by my son, Lincoln Fela, here to explain why, the great Raymond Arroyo. Hey, oh, man. When you said a, a big super, I, I'm looking for somebody to walk in. I'm like, who is it? <laughs> Who's coming? Thank you, Jimmy. So modest, that uh, Raymond Arroyo. I am so excited to be here. After listening to you, when I travel, I hear you. Mm-hmm. 115 stations. I didn't realize it We're was... out there. in wow. a lot of meth labs, you know, people... People yeah, yeah, no, the show. Well, that's why I heard you in the meth lab. Raymond, How funny t- that you could I bring t- that up. The fir- funny story, the first <laughs> time you were just there again. Raymond, that's right, I was there. Raymond, is that you? Doing a few pickups. You don't realize. You guys watch him on the Ing- Ingram Angle every night. You don't realize what happens at 11. You know what happens between 10 and 11. But you don't know what happens at, at, at 11.01, okay? 11.01. In the movie White Men Can't Jump, there's a funny moment where Wesley Snipes is lecturing Woody Harrelson. He says, white people, you listen to Jimi Hendrix, but you can't hear Jimi. Mm. 
Mm. Okay, white people, you watch Raymond Arroyo, but you can't hear Raymond. Okay, <laughs> I can hear Raymond. I've done TV with Raymond. That's I, right. A whole nother thing going on. Okay, it's a whole nother vibe. But that's another book for another time. I'm diving in because I have a lot on this book. Okay. Okay, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Basically, what everyone needs to know about this book is we don't know anything about The Wise Men. Correct. Okay, and I found a lot of things, but one thing we didn't get to in the book, and please tell me this is not the case. Okay. Are we at least assuming the correct gender? Yes, the gender is correct. Okay, it's not the wise they who it's found not the Christmas. wise they who found Christmas. I don't know if they had that back then. Yeah. No, definitely not. They were definitely wise men. Okay. The scripture calls them magi. Uh-huh. You didn't have female magi; it was male magi, okay. even in the Old Testament. But what I was stunned by, and you've hit it, uh-huh. the old story, that song, uh-huh. "We Three Kings of yes. Orient Are." You hear it every year. It's all wrong, Jimmy. Really? They were not three. The gospel only says three gifts. It says nothing about the number of men. Really? The, the Coptic church says there might have been 60, six zero wise men. The Syrian church says 12. If you look at the first spread in my book, spoiler alert, there are 12 guys on the rooftop, three primary characters in the foreground, nine others in the background. So I'm thinking there might have been 12. I'll tell you why later. Uh-huh. Uh, but they were not kings. They were just magi. Magi mm-hmm. were kind of magicians, soothsayers, stargazers, interpreters of dreams. Okay. And, and so they were familiar with the prophecies. Okay. And they were not from the Far East, the Orient. They were from the immediate East, the immediate Orient, they, which I, was Petra. So they had, yeah, they had been sent to Martha's Vineyard, but then they were expelled Correct. within 24 hours of and getting there. had to go there. to Long Island. They, <laughs> they're at a military <laughs> base, and then they had to go from Martha's Vineyard. Raymond Arroyo's in studio. Talk about a win for the American people. So I think that was the most fascinating part of the book is that, you know, everything you believe, you know, uh, as you break it down, in, in, in a way, the fact that I didn't understand this story the way I thought I historically did made it more powerful. It, it does make it more powerful. When I dove in, look, I knew not, I knew what you knew. Mm-hmm. Three Fontanini figures uh, carrying gifts to the kid. Yeah. That's uh-huh. all I knew. And I thought, oh, they're on their camels columping through the desert. Took them uh-huh. nine years to get there. Who knew? Uh-huh. When I started looking at the history, the biblical scholarship, deep archaeology, and some of this stuff, let me tell you, it's arcane stuff and yeah. hard to get to and read. <laughs> so I found people who could interpret it for me, give me Reader's Digest. When you dig into that, you realize the political surrounds, the historical roots of this story are so rich. These guys weren't on some slow procession to Bethlehem. Yeah. No, this is a high-stakes buddy movie trying to get to the Messiah around uh, a king who wants to kill you. You're leaving a king who just sent you on a go, – go on a diplomatic mission, and you're following a star that goes out and comes back and Dude. goes out. There's a lot going on in this story that we've forgotten uh-huh. or ignored. Well, I want to throw this out there because okay. it's, it's a children's Christmas book. It, it, well, it's a family reader. It is. It's true. It's a family, it's a family, I've, family got, I've got four-year-old readers. I've got 104-year-old okay. readers. Okay. Well, you, you know, if they're listening to me, consider them four-year-olds in intellect. Yeah, well, that's they listen to this show every day. Young at heart, yes, Jimmy. That. Young at heart. That's what I always say. I write for the young at heart and the young. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's a wild it's, – it's such a wild story. And I think that, you know, for the average kid who spends some time with this, you get how primal this mission was because right. I also didn't know that. Yeah. What I think about – we might have arrived at the conclusion of Three Kings because it was like an Oregon Trail type of deal well, where it started out as 100 and they maybe three made it. <laughs> three, three made it to the finish line. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I think it is. Now, this is a theory. I mm-hmm. want to lead with that. There's a woman, Margaret Barker. She's an old British uh, biblical scholar, reads all these ancient languages. Margaret believes that these wise men may have been members of a f- the first temple of Jerusalem. They were expelled 700 years before Christ, yeah. but their descendants lived in this kingdom of Nabate in Petra, uh-huh. which is just 
in Jordan. It's yeah. on the other side of the Dead Sea. Uh-huh. It's only a three-day journey from, yeah. from Jerusalem. She believes it was the descendants of this, this uh, priesthood, and that's why they were so eager. It was a religious pull. Uh-huh. They wanted to see the Jewish Messiah because they wanted to restore the first temple. That's why they bring these gifts, by the way. Yeah. Frankincense, gold, myrrh. The gold was in the vestment of the royal priesthood. That's probably why they think they were kings. They were yeah, never yeah. a royal priest. They were dressed fancy. Yeah, they kind of dress up. Uh-huh. Um, the other is myrrh. Uh, I won't get to myrrh. Frankincense was burned in all the temples. Mm-hmm. Incense. Myrrh was used to anoint kings and members of the royal priesthood. So they're going there not just to visit this kid or bring him gifts. They're actually going to anoint him into the royal priesthood, which changes the whole story. Oh, wow. This yeah. is, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's weird because it's kind of like a Star Wars origin story yeah, y- yes. of the three kings. And again, you've hit it. Yes. St. Matthew opens his gospel with these magi. Why? He's the only one that does it. It's not in any other gospel. Yeah. And that was the gospel written for the Jewish people because he wanted to connect the prophecies and show that wise people, even those from uh, lightly familiar with the prophecies, were seeking this king. But the fact that they might have been members of that first temple priesthood, I think, just deepens the whole thing. It blows up the story in your mind and makes these guys suddenly come to life. Because, Jimmy, if they're real and their journey is real, Uh the one they were seeking, the Christ child, becomes Uh more real. Not only at Christmas, throughout the year. Yeah, throughout the year. Uh, We're talking to the great Raymond Arroyo, the book, uh, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Uh, Is it true that the Star of Bethlehem turned out to be a McDonald's Golden Arches? You got it. How did you read that? Where did you... (laughs) You must have seen the same research I saw. That explains the filet of fish and the manger. Yes. I'm kidding. It was was a little brighter than the Hardy sign, which for centuries people (laughs) believed it was the Hardys. That's why it was only three kings. Some guys wanted Hardys. Others wanted White Castle, but that was out. The the lights were out. The guys from the West were like, Hardys is really Carl's Jr. Right. We eat a lot of Carl's Jr. OPEC had shut down the grid in that part of the (laughs) Middle East, so the White Castle sign had gone out. But the flickering comet led led the way. You know, we think of the, the, the star being one star. One uh, astronomer I talked to, and I'm doing a Fox Nation special on this in December with oh, these real it. people. Uh, we interviewed these experts in the field. Uh, there are astrologers who believe it was a series of events, uh-huh. a constellation they saw that they interpreted as a king in Judea. And then there was a, a conflagration of planets that came together as they journeyed out, which disappeared once they get to Herod. Wow. The gospel says that. Yes. goes out. But what do they see over the house in Bethlehem? Could be a comet, which fits the timeline uh-huh. depending on how you look at this. But I don't care about any of that. It's all too – people have written books about this, Jimmy. We yeah. could fight about this all day. The important thing is the lesson for us, the wise men kept their eyes above the world. They were looking onward and not worried about the earthly things but the signs above. That's where our gaze should be. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think – the philosophical message of that story during Christmas. It's good, and it's a, it's a great family read because the gravity of the whole thing really gets underscored. Well, you know? and, and, and I love the idea. And I tell you, w- the image that fixed in my head once I started doing the research, Jimmy, a mm-hmm. hundred years before Christ, Arabian horses were introduced into this kingdom of Nabate. Oh, wow. I really did the whole book yes, for the middle did. spread to show the three wise men galloping through the desert like, you, you know, gotta... they're in the searchers. Yes. I love that image, uh-huh. the urgency of it. And then I learned uh-huh. during the Fox special, uh-huh. I spoke to a horse trainer. Okay. Why Arabian horses? Why, Why are they so great? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, the long faces. Yeah. I don't know. They're sleeker. They're stronger. Mm-hmm. No. 
They have a missing rib. They have oh. one less rib than the other breeds, All right. which allows them to breathe and just, go further. And I stop you right there. The book yes. is called The Three Wise Men Who Found Christmas because you just gave us a good horse Not betting. Not the three, just the, the, the wise men who the found Christmas. The wise men, Christmas. you're right. I keep saying three. I know. The point is one rib Arabian horses. We can make money at the racetrack off this book, too. <laughs> Raymond Arroyo, you're the man. We will do it again soon. Lincoln Fela after this. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and that sound can only mean one thing. It is Friday. It is time to place your bets on the mighty Clark Rams. Joining us now to tell us which way the wind blows financially this weekend. The star of the Rams, a man who claims to be the star of the show. Number 64, Lincoln Fallon, back on the air. Yo, 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 yo. What's up, Snookums? What's up? There you are. There's my little princess. How'd the Rams look in practice this week? Good. You feel good about it? Yeah. Now, a lot of people listening at home don't know this uh, because we were so busy with the news this week. We didn't actually mention the fact that on the air, the Rams, the Rams did not cover the spread. Not covered the spread. The, the Rams suffered their f- worst, their first loss of the year. Do you, do you know we had a four game streak of not having to punt? Not. They never had to punt once. Um, and then it ended. And never had to lose either, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. The Rams were but riding. That's, that's more of a cooler thing to say you never had to punt because then you can automatically assume you won every game. You would like to think. Uh, but the Rams are getting up off the mat this weekend. Who are they playing? Mineola. Mineola. So what is our record right now? We're 4-1 and one on the year? Yeah. And the Rams, were they feisty? Did the loss kind of burn their nuts a little bit? A little. Okay, did the coach take it out on you? Did you run extra? No. Really? No, we, we ran pretty much the same amount, but they were just no one had a starting spot. Like they he told, just they told every if you want to play on Saturday, you have to earn it. It's all up for grabs. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty rad. But you didn't have any like unorthodox. Do you remember the story I told you about? Moro Chidi, who's a legend at Wisdom Lane Middle School, was my middle school coach. Was once so frustrated with us. He was like, I'm going to keep you out here all night, even if I have to turn my headlights on on the field. And he drove his car onto the field, turned his headlights on. And the battery died. <laughs> so then we had to, like, get his car a jump. But the point is, we went 0-6. So he had reason to be frustrated. You guys are a good team. You're going to get off the mat. You're saying people should bet the Rams? Yeah. All right. Lincoln failing. At home. Oh, you're at home? Yeah. You see, I'm going to be out in Iowa looking at the butter cow eating fried food. Do you there think you it's are. my fault? Because I was in Oklahoma. I missed your first game last week. Do they quietly, you quietly resent me? Like, thanks, Dad. No, it's because Dave didn't go. Is that Joe? Yeah. <laughs> My mom's uh, longtime man, Dave, is a season ticket holder to the Clark Rams and is known to show up, get in a fight with the other team's coach or heckle one of the players. He's, he's a rowdy fan. He's boisterous. Are you saying the Rams missed Dave's support in the stands? Yeah. Dave missing? never loses. Dave is undefeated. It, it's, it's, like, it's like one of those weird things. He doesn't lose, like weird stuff. Well, like, you can't beat him in mini golf. You can't beat him in, like, crazy eights. You can't. It's just weird. He wins weird things. Well, Dave's not that tall. What if you throw him in a uniform and let him star for the Rams? I don't know. I think he has a banged-up leg or something. (laughs) Well, you're bruised. You're battered. I like that you're playing football now because people don't think the bruises are from me and Mom. Oh, yeah. That was a brilliant move. Just like the cigar burns. (laughs) It was a a brilliant move by us to put you into football because now we have someone to point your injuries off on. Your teachers are not even on to us at this point. Um, What did you think? Uh, this week, you watched your Steelers kind of have a little bit of a... 
they were down by like 20 at halftime, so me and Jonathan just went out to the parking lot and threw a football. Oh, did you really? Yeah, we. Kenny Pickett didn't do that bad. He had 300 yards, one interception, but they just couldn't score. Uh, no, they couldn't score. They the, lost 38 to 3. The Steelers played like they were drinking Iron City Light. That's like the local beer. All our WJAS listeners out there listening in Pittsburgh, they're drinking Boilermakers and Iron City Lights like your Uncle, your Uncle Sam. Your Uncle Sam and the Polish Falcons. Uh, but you can confirm that the clock Rams are drinking. Are they still drinking that energy drink? Because I'm trying to dissect this loss. Oh, I drank I drank the monkey before I went in. The <laughs> you can't day. say monkey. That's what you called it. I know. Last but it's, week. It's getting beeped out as we speak. Oh. Josh beeped it out last week. I found out, too. Oh. Basically, what happened is a week ago, Lincoln and his crazy cousin, who we love. He's a great kid, uh, fell in love with this Logan Paul. What is the drink called? Prime. It's called Prime. And Lincoln and his cousin started drinking Prime. It's like this feel-good energy drink. What is it, low sugar? Yeah. High octane or something? So is it like a Red Bull, like a healthier Red Bull? Yeah, but it doesn't have, like, all the caffeine and garbage in it. It's, like, natural stuff. And but it's 20 calories, like, no sugar, all your vitamins. And this, this, this is the nutritional information supplied to you by a YouTuber. Oh. <laughs> a guy who is lighting well, they his... they sell it in vitamin shops, so it kind of has to be legit. Isn't that crazy, though, the way that works? It's like a guy who gets famous for, like, lighting his farts on fire winds up with, like, a GNC deal or a vitamin shop deal yeah. and can sell you supplements. So do you think the prime is working? Yeah. Is the rest of the team drinking prime? No, but I brought I I had one and I I made the mistake of bringing it into the locker room with me and three quarters of it was gone. Like people because everyone wanted an air sip of it. What's an air sip? It's where you don't put your mouth on the bottle, but you can still get a little. You kind of dump it in like it's a canteen. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty funny. I didn't know that because that was I I didn't know if it sounded like you know like a COVID ritual or something like that. You guys are past all of that, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lincoln Fail is in studio. It's a big Friday. The Rams are at home tomorrow. They're playing Mineola. Now, your good buddy, Sean Barry, is a Mineola guy. Sean Barry, folks, if you're listening, is the composer who wrote the theme song to Fox Across America. He's also like my backyard. I, would you argue that Sean has drank more beers in our backyard than any of us? Yeah, because I'll just go out sometimes to say like goodnight to you guys, and he's just there chilling. <laughs> Sean, just, we have a guy in our backyard. Like, I'll be in bed for three hours. He's still out yeah. there. Like blasting music, yeah. hanging out, having a beer. Well, Mineola is his school. You're taking on his alma mater. Are you guys still going to be friends? I don't know. Like if you beat, let me ask you this: Are you setting our? If you beat, if you beat Sean, will we get our backyard back at night? I don't know. Like, will he not want to hang out here anymore? I don't know. Or is it going to be worse? I don't know if he knows like Mineola people anymore because it's definitely not the same as when he went. Yeah, that's true. It's like a different era yeah, now. Mineola's like all fancy and new now. Did they get too pretty? I think. So you're telling me they're, uh, is maybe that's they're too sexy for this game, as Wright mm. said Fred once sang, and you guys are going to beat up a bunch of pretty boys? Yeah. The point is we need to know what to do with this game. You're saying the Rams get up off the mat and they make that money. That's what you're telling yeah. me? All right, folks, you heard it here first. The link man says we got to get this cash. We bet the Rams. What's the line? Uh, I think we win 46-20. 40? Oh, you're going high, dude. We're going to stomp all over them. All right. Listen, every, everybody's, everybody, you know, wants to see it happen, Link, man. After last week, I had to start an OnlyFans and sell mm. pictures of my body. I'm to kidding. <laughs> I started an OnlyFoods. I mm. sold pictures of my Oklahoma barbecue to fellow fat guys. Yeah, you did. Do you know how good the barbecue was in Oklahoma? 
I really, I felt guilty. Not, I, I felt guiltier eating the barbecue without you than I did missing your game. Just promise me you're not going to like cut your hair off and transition because I missed one game. Because wow. I'm missing this game too. And if you guys keep playing like you did last week, I'm missing more games. You brought shame on the family, son. Shame on the fa- dude. You, I don't even think you've won a high school football game before. <laughs> That's not true. I don't have to take this did Lincoln Valley in high school. Yes, of course, and we were good. Um, but, but, but not the Clark year, Rams good. Oh, the Clark not Rams. Not 2022 Clark Rams good. All right. Well, that remains to be seen. We'll see what the Clark Rams do tomorrow. A lot of talent on that team. You guys do have some talent. Uh, everybody, by the way, who saw us at the Yankee game uh, at the beginning of the week Tuesday night was marveling at the fact that you're making my faces. Everybody was like, he looks just like you. I'm like, no, no, no. He's trying to look like me on yeah. purpose. Why do you bust my balls so much? Because it's funny. <laughs> he just walks around quoting me and, you know. Like doing your, like, actions and, like, like your mannerisms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too funny. Well, if you want to do some of my mannerisms on the football field, get out there and win because the champ gets it done. Oh, does he? That's <laughs> enough out of you, Lincoln Failer. The show's over. Happy Friday. If you're in Iowa, go see me in Ottumwa, Iowa at the Bridgeview Center. I got to make this money because my son's football team doesn't cover the spread anymore. But you never know. You guys might turn around this mm. week. I don't know. I'm a believer, Link, man. I'm still, I'm still a strong buy on the Clark Rams, but the show is over. Happy Friday, everybody. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a Jimmy Failer. You're the worst. Get him out of here. Get him out. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.